Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to Inside the Writer's Studio, the podcast where we talk with writers about their lives, their craft, their business, and their latest work. I'm your host, Charlie Lovett, and our podcast is sponsored by Bookmarks. Bookmarks is a literary nonprofit whose programs include the largest annual book festival in the Carolinas. Come visit Bookmarks at our community gathering space and nonprofit independent bookstore in downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina. My guest today is Dave Pilkey, creator of the children's series Captain Underpants and Dogman. Dave has inspired millions of children to embrace the joy of reading, including my own nephew, Will Lovett, who joins us today. Dave, welcome to Inside the Writer's Studio. Thank you, Charlie. It's great so, to be here. I, I have to ask you to start out with, we're, we're sitting in a suite at BB&T Ballpark, the minor league ballpark here in Winston-Salem, and you just got done talking to about 3,000 school kids who came out to see you. What's it like to stand there and look at 3,000 screaming kids and know that they've all read your books? It is amazing. I, I, I actually don't even know that I can put it into words. Um, I think I think one of the things that writers really want to have is an audience, an audience who who really really gets them, you know, really understands them, and um, that. To have an, an entire stadium full of, of kids who are screaming and jumping up and down and <laughs> yeah. dancing and going crazy, I, I, uh, I don't think in my wildest dreams I ever expected or, or was it ready for that. School Library Journal wrote of Captain Underpants that it was for, and I'm quoting here, every downtrodden, fun-seeking kid who never wanted to read a book. Does that describe who you were as a child? It did. It does describe me because um, I, I had the challenge of dyslexia. I still have dyslexia. Um, but as a kid, it was, it was really tough because I could never find books that I was interested in. Um, I, I loved to read. I was always reading Mad Magazine or, or joke books or um, cartoon books. But um, my teachers would take those away from me because they wanted me to read things that were you know, a little bit more appropriate. And, um, my mom actually changed my life, though, because she took me to the library and she let me pick out whatever books I wanted with no judgment. And um, when I was reading what my reading by choice, reading what I wanted to, that that actually is what turned me into a reader. So I was reading your latest Captain Underpants book, as as one does when uh, one is 56 years old and has no small children in the house. Yeah. Uh, and. In the back of the book, you have a picture of yourself in the second grade. And I meant to actually bring this with me, but it bears an uncanny resemblance to my picture of myself in the second grade. Like, oh. I, I took to the back, oh, I was like, wow. why is my picture in the back of Dave's book? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but below that picture, you talk about your second grade experience and what that was like. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, second grade, actually, kindergarten and first grade were wonderful because I had amazing teachers who I really loved. But in second grade, that's when I got diagnosed with ADHD. Uh, actually, they didn't have a word for it back then. They called it extreme hyperactivity. But I was also diagnosed with dyslexia, and I had a teacher who just did not understand me. The, the only, she thought I was just too disruptive, and she thought I was, um, you know, she thought I was a bad kid. And the only thing she could do was put me out in the hallway. and and. Um, it was very lonely out there, but I, my mom always encouraged me to look on the bright side, so I would spend my time sitting in the hallway drawing pictures and writing stories, and that's actually where I got my inspiration for Captain Underpants and Dogman as a, as a second grader. So, so Captain Underpants and Dogman are created in the second grade when you're yes. sitting out in the hallway. How does, it, how does this move from, I'm a second grader who has a notebook with these great pictures and stories in it, to this is now a published book that is sitting on the shelf at Bookmarks. Well, uh, I I started writing children's books when I was uh, 
I was 19 years old, and I would do a lot of school visits where I would go, I would be the author for the day, and I would, I, I would tell the children about my experiences as a second grader, and of course I would talk to them about sitting in the hallway and making Captain Underpants stories, and the room would just like explode with laughter, and I would draw a picture of, of him, and, and then the kids at the end, they all had a question, they all wanted to know, are you ever going to make a book about Captain Underpants? And you know, you hear that question 50 or 60 times and you start to think, maybe I should make a book about that. And, <laughs> and then the rest is history. You said that your teacher inspired you to use that name, Captain Underpants, because she used the word underpants in class yeah. and all the students burst out laughing. And this is the part I loved. You said you discovered that this word underpants could make your classmates laugh and make your teacher angry all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Why is that such a powerful combination for young readers? Well, you know, I think sometimes um, kids feel powerless, you know, I mean, everyone's always telling kids what to do and, and they, you know, they don't have a whole lot of freedom. It's not like they can drive cars and, and go off on their own. And so I think uh, stories about power where kids are empowered, kids are doing, doing their own thing, making decisions that change the world. I think that's very attractive to kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I try to write about. The heroes of Captain Underpants are two young boys named Harold and George. Yes. I love the way you describe them to the to the kids today about their haircuts and, and yeah. what they what they wear, um, but these are two pranksters who seem to get away with a lot of the pranks that they perpetrate on their teachers and, and in their school. Do you think of your books as being subversive? No, I actually don't because um, I think a lot of the stories in Captain Underpants, a lot of uh, the, the the things that happen in Captain Underpants, the the drama, all the, all the chaos that happens, usually results from a prank that George and Harold have, have perpetrated or, or a comic that they've made. They're usually the ones who accidentally start the chaos, um, <laughs> but they're also the ones that have to fix the mess. They have to clean it up too. And so, yeah, you could say they're a little bit subversive, but I think it's, in a way they're, it's teaching children that there are consequences to your actions. And if you're gonna be silly, if you're gonna be you know, crazy, you have to be, you have to be smart enough and creative enough to fix any problems that might arise from that. I live in a house full of books by Lewis Carroll. I'm a collect book oh, collector. Okay. And so I have Alice in Wonderland surrounding me. And this is a book which came out in 1865 and was in many ways the first massively successful yet intentionally non-dogmatic, non-didactic, mm, yeah. non-moralistic children's book. Um, do you see yourself as writing in, an, in a tradition that, that goes back to that? that that sort of, as you said, puts the child in the center? Or do you draw on other books that came before you? Uh, I have never really thought of it that way. I, I think when I, when I create my books, when I first started, when I wrote my first book, I actually wrote it by choosing a moral and writing a story around it. Mm. And then when I started going around to schools and talking and reading more children's literature, I realized you don't have to do that. It doesn't have to be didactic. It doesn't have to be moralistic. You can just tell a good story, tell a story just for the sake of the story itself. And, and so um, that was very liberating, very freeing for me. And so I don't, I don't actually really think too much about morals when I write. I think that's great. I, I had the interesting experience of going back and reading some of the books that Lewis Carroll had to read or chose to read as a child oh. in the 1830s. And they were, I mean, not only hugely moralistic, but also the, the child is almost peripheral to the story. It's the adult oh, oh. and the adult view of the world that's at the center of the story. Yeah. And what I love about your stories and, and other children's books too is that now the child really is 
who's driving the story, not, yeah. not the adult. And it's not the, the imposed morality of an adult world, but it's the sort of, as you say, the chaos of, of a children's world. Right, yeah. Harold and jo George are what some teachers would call troublemakers, mm -hmm. or maybe all teachers, I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, do you think at the core they're good kids, though? And if so, what's the difference between a troublemaker and a bad person? Um, I definitely believe that they're good kids, and, and I always stick up for them <laughs> in the books. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I, d I struggled with that when I was a kid because I was always in trouble. I was always getting sent into the hallway. I was always sitting outside the principal's office or in the principal's office. And if that happens over and over again, you start to ask yourself questions like, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? You know, maybe I'm a bad person. And, and so one of the things that's very important with me, to me with George and Harold is to show that um, you can still be a good person even if you do things that are bad, even if they're unintentionally bad or even on purpose. You know, it's not, it's not what we've done that that defines us, but it's it's who we can become who, is, who defines us. And, and I, I really do feel like in the Captain Underpants story that George and Harold become more empathetic as the books go along. Um, in the, there's a 12 books in the series so far, and they they start out a little self-centered. And, and by the 12th book, they're really thinking about the world as that it's a bigger place than just just them, you know, I, that, that what other people, other people's lives, other people's um, uh, uh, other people are just are just very important, and we have to think about everybody. So, are George and Harold growing up as the books go along yes. chronologically? Are they getting older? They are. In fact, the new Dogman series is George and Harold. They've now graduated into fifth grade, and so we're, we're it's kind of a continuation of Captain Underpants, and we're seeing them uh, grow up through their artwork now, um, and and their ideas are getting. Uh, more grown up as well. They're they're starting to to write about things like like empathy and kindness and um, and destiny. Like, mm -hmm. can we change our nature? Things like that. They're, so they're getting more mature, and their ideas are maturing as well. I look forward to seeing George and Harold in graduate school, maybe at Rhode Island <laughs> yeah. School of Design. Yeah, you know, that, yeah, yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is remarkable about these books, and we saw this today at the ballpark with all the school children out here, is that they have turn millions of kids on to reading. They've taken, you found a way with using um, both images and text to engage what we call reluctant readers. Um, what do you think it is specifically about the way your books are created that, that makes that happen? I think actually it is the combination of pictures and words. Um, that's something that's always helped me as a, as a person who has dyslexia. Um, a lot of times, if you open a book and there's giant, you know, one page after page after page of just giant blocks of text, um, to many readers that can be intimidating. Yeah. Um, but if you break it up into panels and you add pictures, that can uh, help people with like my type of dyslexia to um, to not only follow the story better, but also it helps you to with your vocabulary as well. Let's say if you're a child, you don't know the meaning of a word, you can look at the picture and the picture gives contextual clues to the meaning of the word. So it's, it's helpful if you're learning new language or, or uh, combining pictures and words, I think it is something that my dyslexia, having, my experience with dyslexia encouraged me to do. And I still do that today. I want to bring Will Lovett into the conversation for a couple of questions, because Will was one of those reluctant readers that we were just talking about who discovered the joy of reading through Captain Underpants. Will, what made you excited about reading Dave's books? 
Well, at first, it was just like, everyone was like, hey guys, do you see this new book? It's, it's some new Captain Underpants. I'm like, oh, I want to check that out, kind of. <laughs> so I went over into the library of the school, and I looked around, and I found, like, I think it's a whole series there, actually. Not the, yeah, the whole series. And I think I started with Attack of the Tw uh, Attack. God, that is a tongue twister. <laughs> Attack of the Talking Toilets? Yes. There okay, you go. Right. <laughs> um, and I read it, and I was like, Mom, can, can I get some more of these? And, and it actually a couple, I think it was a week ago, maybe two, I was just bored, and I just and I just went into the bookshelf in our playroom, and I saw Catherine Fan, so I just took it out, and I started reading it, and I finished the whole book in two days, so. Oh, wow. Yeah. Does it, well. Do they make you laugh? They do. Uh -huh. Because I think that's I think that's one of yeah I think that's one of the things about those books is the way that you engage the children through through humor to get to get them hooked in. Um, Will you had a question for Mr. Pilkey about the characters in his books? Yes. So are some of the characters in your book books based on real people in your life? They are actually the uh, the characters George and Harold uh, who they 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 created Captain Underpants and they're also um, responsible for Dogman. They're based on me. Um, kind of, actually, that's what I was like when I was in fourth grade. I was always in trouble. I was always making comics, always um, sitting outside the principal's office. And so um, George and Harold were kind of my way of taking my experience as a kid, my, my challenges as a kid, and flipping them around and turning them into positive things. I spent more than a decade as a children's playwright, writing plays for children to perform. Oh. My, my wife uh, directed most of the premieres of those plays, and they've been done all over the country and all over the world. But most of them were originally performed for third graders. And we used every kind of comedy from, from slapstick to one-liners to jokes that really were intended more for the audience of parents than they mm -hmm. were necessarily for the third graders. And But like you, I never wanted to assume that a kid wasn't going to get something. Do you think kids are more sophisticated than some adults give them credit for being? Oh, definitely, yes. And um, I always try to write up to my audience. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot of times people will say, well, that, that word that you just used is, you know, kids aren't going to know what that word means. <laughs> you know, and, um, I forget, even one of my editors at Scholastic didn't know what a word was from the, one of the newest Dogman books, and she had to look it up. And I, I said, but, that, but you saw the picture, right? And she said, yes. And I said, well, then... Did you, could you figure it out contextually? And she said, well, yeah, but I just, she wanted to know the official definition. But, but that's kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of writing up, you know? I mean, Excellent. kids can learn new words. They can, and, and they, and I think kids are incredibly bright. And, you know, I, I, I refuse to write down to anyone. Well, I also don't think there's anything wrong with engaging a child with the dictionary. You know, oh, that's with, right, that's with, right. Yeah. If they're excited about the story and they really want to know what it means. Uh, I certainly have read plenty of books where I had to have a dictionary next to me to, to know what in the world was going on. <laughs> what for you is the litmus test about whether a piece of humor is going to make it into your book? I think um, part, of the, part of the writing process for me is I'm writing for the kid that I used to be. And so I try to re remember what I was like when I was in third or fourth or fifth grade. And, and um, if that part of my personality thinks it's funny, then it stays. Yeah. You use multiple storytelling techniques, especially in the Captain Underpants series. Uh, and I love the fact that you have, first of all, there's the comic book that George and Harold write. 
you have some blocks of text, mm -hmm. and then you have some of your, your own illustrations. How do all those different elements work together to tell the story, and are there parts of the story that you feel work best in, in one format or another? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think this goes back to my dyslexia in a, in a way, because sometimes I would get a book or I'd be assigned to read a book that just had nothing but words. And it just, for me, sometimes it would get a little monotonous. And so I, with the Captain Underpants books, I wanted to put as many forms of storytelling as, as I could think of. And graphic novels is a, one, a wonderful way to tell a story. And so that breaks it up a little bit. So you read a block of text, and then you see a picture, then you read a bit of a graphic novel. And there's even flip pages where you flip them back and forth, yeah. and they animate it. And that almost gives kids, I feel like it gives kids a break um, from reading for a second. And they can actually interact with the book. And, mm -hmm. and so um, it's written for the little dyslexic boy that I used to be. <laughs> but fortunately, um, even kids who are really very, very good readers enjoy it that way. George, George and Harold's comic books look like they were drawn by, in this new book, fifth grade boys. Mm -hmm. in, in the previous books, boys even, even younger than that. And that means they're, the, the drawings are somewhat crude sometimes, the uh, words are, can be misspelled, there could be grammatical errors. But do you think that that gives your young readers permission to create their own illustrated stories or graphic book novels? Yes, I do. And in fact, that, that actually came from my own experience as a young author. I would travel around to schools and I would talk to kids. And, and when I was talking to young kids, I would say, how many of you kids love to draw and write? And everybody would raise their hand. And then sometimes I would talk to high school kids and I'd ask them the same question and almost nobody would raise oh, their hand. Gosh. And it, I'd always like confused me, like, how come, what happened? And then I would ask the kids, why? Why aren't you drawing? Why aren't you writing? And they would say, well, I'm just not good at it. And it was just heartbreaking. It's like, who told you you're not good at it? <laughs> I mean, what? And I, they had some, I guess they decided they couldn't draw Garfield exactly perfectly, and so right. they weren't good at it, and then they stopped drawing. And so I purposely would put uh, in, in the Captain Underpants series, I put some misspelled words in it, and like you said, some uh, incorrect grammar. And the, the cartoons looked, especially when George and Harold were much younger, like stick figures, sort of. Mm -hmm. And they, they, yeah, they, they improved as they went along. And, and that's what it's all about. It's not about being perfect. Creativity, I mean, if you try to be perfect all the time, you're going to get stifled and you're going to stop. I want kids to see that you can write an imperfect story and it could still be fun and that's one of the nice things I've noticed. And that, that reminds me a lot of the sort of philosophy that my wife and I had when we were teaching third grade theater arts basically and she would say to every child, you know, I'm not going to make you a Broadway star, I'm going to make you better than you were yesterday. That's uh, and that's the only thing that matters. And for yeah. every kid that, that is maybe is a different level, some kids mm -hmm. are already very talented and you can help them along that path. Other kids you know, you're just moving them one step forward. Yeah. Um, Will, tell us about one of the comic, because you, Will, you, you draw comic books inspired comics by... My best friend named Rudd Phillips. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. <laughs> Can you tell us about one of the characters oh, that you've gosh. created? So for those of you listening, Will has now pulled out a whole um, folder full of comic book characters that, that he's, uh, he's going to share with us. So I created, I think this was my first original one, first and the only his name's Captain Snowball, but I, I, the first time I did it, I was like, I kind of want to go something a little more classic. Mm -hmm. And this is the first book I made of it, and his name is Wedgie Man. Oh, wow. And Attack 
Tim the Talking Toilet. Very cool. Tim the Talking Toilet. Can I see it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Well. I mean. Oh my goodness. Did you, who did the drawings? I did. You did the drawings and then you and your friend first, wrote the story? At first, I did the drawings. I did it all. And then we created like 20-page comics. Oh my goodness. That, this is exactly what we were just talking yeah, about, though. Yeah. I mean, because you started out, well, you said you, you weren't real, real happy with your first character, but you did another one, and you improved, and you, every single time you did it, you improved, and now you're doing 20-page comics, and, and I can tell that your drawings, I mean, your drawings started out really well, very, very good, but they're getting better. You can see it. You're improving. That's we, we, went to, we went to see him the other day in, in Atlanta, and my wife Janice walked in, and Will said, I'm going to draw you a... A, a picture and two minutes later there's this like amazing dragon with wow. it, was, it was incredible <laughs> but will would you is it fair to say and correct me if i'm wrong that you would not have been drawing all of these comics if you hadn't encountered captain underpants yeah that's true wow yeah. oh my goodness I, I that means so much to me well i really i appreciate it so no one no one told you to draw a comic no one said no one wow you just did that on your own and you, then my mom my mom actually helped me out, and she was like, "Wow, that just came out of nowhere." Yeah, just... I know. That's that's what it, that's that's how creativity works. It comes out of nowhere. That's amazing. This is so cool. So I was at home <laughs> the other night uh, by myself. My wife was at her play rehearsal, and I decided I'm as as again as 56 year olds do when they're at home. I'm going to watch the Captain Underpants movie, uh, <laughs> and I I watched about 30 minutes of it until until Janice got home, which and I really enjoyed it. But one of the things that especially struck me is, you know, we talked about the different types of storytelling that you use in your books. And in the first 20 minutes or so of that movie, there's one type of animation for George and Harold's comic book. Mm -hmm. There's one type of animation for sort of the main story that's going on. And then there's this marvelous scene with sock puppets right, in, in right. the shopping mall. Um, and I'm just curious to know, if, did you have any input in this, this same idea of using different styles in the same way that you use different styles in your book? You know, I actually did not have a whole lot of uh, input in the movie because I met the director and I loved his other film. He did a film called Turbo uh, oh, by yeah. DreamWorks, which was wonderful. And uh, I trusted him so much that I, I, it, was, it was very liberating for me because I got to step back and just you know, let them be creative. And I thought I would, they would make the best movie if I wasn't breathing down their necks the whole time. And it's like you said, they, they took these elements from the book. Um, they have the sock puppets. They, had a, a, they have a flip book scene where there's, you know, how the hand come in, that comes in and flips, excuse me, flips the pages back and forth. All this creative stuff. And um, I'm just so grateful to uh, not only David Soren, the director, but the entire team at DreamWorks. They did a fantastic job. As a, as a book collector myself, and also through my involvement with bookmarks, I'm, a, I, I don't, I'm not opposed to the idea of digital books, but I'm a big believer in, in paper and ink. And it seems to me that your books have a physicality. Um, you talked about the fliparama, where the kids can flip the pages back mm -hmm. and forth, that almost demands that they encounter them in, in paper and ink. Is that something intentional on your part? And do you think they have a, a different kind of experience with a paper and ink book than they would have from a digital book? I certainly think they have a different experience with a physical book, and it's a much better experience. Um, it was not an intentional thing, uh, but the technology for the fliparama does not work very well digitally. Yeah. And it's, it, Fliparama is too technologically advanced for, for <laughs> surprisingly, for, <laughs> for ebooks. So 
they, you can still enjoy them as an e-book, but I think if you're going to get the full experience, it's like you said, you have to have the actual book in your hand. So Will pulled out some things to show you when we get done. I'm going to pull out a, an early edition of Alice in Wonderland to show oh, you how Lewis Carroll basically used Fliperama. Oh, really? But for anybody listening who has an edition of Alice that's typeset the way the original was, there's an there's a illustration of the Cheshire Cat in a tree. And if you turn the page in the exact same place on the next page is the Cheshire Cat having disappeared from the tree. So if you go back and forth, oh, wow. he sort of appears and disappears. And when I encountered Fliperama, I immediately sort of went to that moment. I thought, oh my gosh, this is yet one more thing that Lewis Carroll invented that we didn't realize. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, the newest book is uh, the next installment in the Dogman series. It's called Dogman, Lord of the Fleas, which is a title I love, partly because <laughs> one of my young friends who's just going into high school had to read Lord of the Flies for her summer reading and absolutely hated it. Uh, and <laughs> what my question is, do, do you take pleasure in poking fun at the, at the books that children are sort of forced to read? Uh, you know, I haven't actually thought of it that way, that I'm, I'm not really poking fun at them. I'm just. I'm just kind of having fun with them. Um, uh, they, they're all books that I personally do enjoy. Um, and the themes, uh, the one thing I thought was very interesting is that the, the themes uh, from books that were written over 100 years ago, like, like um, uh, Tale of Two Cities, for example, sure. they still resonate today. Yeah. And, and they some, the, especially the third part of, of Tale of Two Cities still feels very modern, mm -hmm. actually. And, and, um, and so it's nice to take those those powerful themes and to create brand new stories around them and and to have little little um puns and things that, that, poke, that, that, that lead the reader back to the original work right one of the things i love is that one of the boys is confused um lord of the flies with lord of the rings right and he says well i didn't i didn't read the book but uh, but i saw all three movies and, yeah. and the other kid is like what do you mean three movies and, yeah uh, but it, you know right away it it engaged me as an adult who has read all of those books, yeah. and I get, it kind of gave me a frame of reference. But you don't need to have read those books to, to enjoy the story that that is being presented in, right. in your pages. And someone one just recently pointed out that some kids, when they're forced to read Lord of the, of the Flies later, they're going to think, "Hey, that guy stole from Dave Pilkey." Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. This is, this yeah. is my dream as a playwright because yeah. we made fun of all sorts of things and and. Uh, we did riffs on Shakespeare plays, and I've had oh, okay. I've had high school teachers come to me and say, "My kid knew everything about Romeo and Juliet because he saw that saw comedy that you yeah. wrote, you know, four years ago or yeah, something like yeah. that." So I think it really does; it really can resonate and lead them back to later in life to encounter some of those great works of literature. So the Dogman book is written entirely in George and Harold's comics. Yes. Um, so it basically, it is a graphic novel for kids, but it's published in hardcover. Most, most graphic novels, comic books, are, are you know, published in paperback or in softcover. Do you think that the decision to publish it in hardcover sort of lends it uh, a, a gravitas or an importance that, that parents and librarians might not otherwise allow it to have if it was just in the form of a 25 cent comic book? I, I think it might, actually. I, I, perhaps. It, um it, it it looks better as if you're giving it as a gift. It looks it looks very substantial, you know, because it has that that nice uh, glossy and matte finish cover, and and um, so it I I think it does look a, a little bit more um, uh, more more like like a gift. Yeah. yeah. Adults in your books 
don't necessarily come off as the most astute or perhaps sane individuals in yeah. the world. And again, this reminds me of Alice in Wonderland where we have a, a character, a child character in the middle of a world where adults are acting in irrational ways, mm -hmm. from her point of view, ir right, irrational right, ways. Yeah. Do you think that that's the way kids really see us as sort of slightly incompetent, sometimes buffoonish characters? <laughs> um, perhaps, sometimes. I, I think I think we're always, I, I remember being a kid and, and thinking about adults like they were supposed to have all the answers and I was very surprised when they didn't, um, you know, or right. when they would make mistakes. It was very surprising to me. So I, I, I do think a, a lot of kids go through that as well. Will, is that the way you see adults? Stop. <laughs> now, stop. So talk to us a little bit about your process. Do you start out with pictures? Do you start out with a story? Do they both come together? Do you have, a, do you have an outline to start with? How, how does it work? from blank pages to finished product? Um, I actually think in pictures and, and um, words at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that ha may have something to do with my dyslexia. I'm not, I'm not really sure. But um, So when I do the Dogman books, I will start, I, I write the stories uh, sequentially. I start at page one and I go straight through and, and I don't usually do a draft. I'll, I'll just I'll have a, kind of a theme and I'll start writing the first page and then I write the next page and the next page and I write and draw at the same time and it kind of unfolds. Mm -hmm. Will, do you want to hop in here with one more question? Okay. This might be a hard one, but what's your favorite Captain Underpants book? Actually, I think my favorite one is book number nine. It's, uh, it is, you know, I can't think of the title right now. It's red. It's, do you, the terrifying, Return of Tippy Tinkle Trousers, I think. But you might remember the story. It's when George and Harold go back in time and they're kindergartners and they have the bully problem that they have to, they don't have Captain Underpants. They just have Mr. Krupp, who is the principal, who's not very nice to them. And they have a bully that they need to, to defeat and they don't have any superpowered heroes. So they have to use their imagina imaginations and their creativity to, to, be, to defeat a bully. And I, I think that's, that's my favorite of all of them. Will, do you, do you have a favorite, Will? Probably first from a red. I like Attack of the Toilets. That's oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and you. also in the ninth one, the way they come, I think the, um, the main bully person is Krupp's nephew. That's right, yes. Yeah. yeah. And they take, they make a comic and then they put it in some like wet dirt something. Mm -hmm. I have really no idea. And they <laughs> slide it into their lockers with spiders and everything. Right. And when they, they open their lockers, they act from we're the toughest people in school to little curls. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I'm not... Well, they, well, they, they get scared. They get they very get scared. scared. Let's, let's put it that way. That's yeah. my, that might be a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, get, they, they, uh, they lose their cool. And, and I think that's kind of funny to turn the table on the bullies, how, how George and I, I mean, they were kindergartners. And they, like you said, they, they tried to convince the bullies that, that their lockers were haunted. <laughs> <laughs> and they, it worked. You once said in an interview that I read that you have a bad habit of saying dumb stuff when you give live interviews. So I was just wondering if you could say something dumb for us. Oh, I, I, I don't think I can because okay. my, my publicist is right here <laughs> and I will never hear the end of it if I say any, anything we deliberately like to, dumb. 
We like to end every episode of Inside the Writer's Studio with the same 10 questions. You should be able to answer each in just a few words, but hopefully they'll give all of us something to think about and give our listeners some special insight into Dave Pilkey and how you work. So if you're ready for the speed round, we will I'll, begin. I'll try my best. What word do you love to work into your writing? Underwear. <laughs> and stuff. George and Harold. Oh, stuff. Yeah. Stuff. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What word do you hate to encounter in other people's writing? You know, I, I've always hated the word snickerdoodle. I don't know why. Always, Fair enough. annoys me. Where's your favorite place to write? Actually in Japan. My, my wife and I have a home in Japan and I, there's a cave near our home and I kayak to the cave and I write there. Oh, wow, wow. Where could you never write? Uh, probably it would be difficult for me to write in a, in a very crowded place where there's lots of things going on because I tend to get distracted easily. Now this, is, this next question is a, a little more pointed for you than it is for some authors, but to what rule of grammar do you pay least attention? To what rule of grammar do I pay least attention? Um, it's different throughout my books yeah. because it started out in the very early Captain Underpants books. There was no attention paid to, to grammar. The, the boys wrote just the way that kids talk. There was no punctuation, there, mm -hmm. very little of that. And they've been, they keep improving and getting better and better so that in the Dogman series, there's not even any misspelled words. I mean, they, um, so I think it depends on the, I'd have to say it depends on the book. Right, right. What was the first book you remember reading? I think probably Where the Wild Things Are. What are you reading now? Uh, what am I reading now? I just finished a, um, a nonfiction book by, um, who's, who's that guy? Uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, uh, yeah. Called The Tipping Point. Mm -hmm. What book would you like to have written? What book would I like to have written? Um, Maybe Walden. Mm. I love Walden. What sort of book would you like to write but probably never will? Uh, maybe horror. I, I mm. love horror stories, but um, I, did, I did one graphic novel horror story in a collection, and I heard a parent say that the, the book made, gave their child nightmares, and, and I thought, oh no, I, I, I don't ever want any of my stories to, to make anyone feel bad or, or be scared, so I, I probably will never write anything like that again. <laughs> And finally, what would you like to hear a reader tell you? Um, probably what happened just today is that your stories in, in inspired me to make my own books. And so, you know, what, what Will has done it, it means so much to me to be, to be able to look at these, hold, to hold these in my hand and to know that he, Will might not have made these if he, he hadn't read my books. Right. It means so much to me. This has been Inside the Writer's Studio. I'm your host, Charlie Lovett, and the podcast is sponsored by Bookmarks, a literary nonprofit that runs the largest annual book festival in the Carolinas and operates a new community gathering place and independent bookstore in downtown Winston-Salem, North Carolina. To find out more about Bookmarks and all its programs, visit www.bookmarksnc.org. My guest today has been Dave Pilkey, whose new book, Dogman, Lord of the Fleas, is available wherever books are sold. Dave, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Charlie. During the busy fall publishing season, Inside the Writer's Studio will post new episodes on the 10th, 20th, and 30th of every month. On our next show, I'll be talking with another visitor to this year's Bookmarks Festival, the modern Mrs. Darcy herself, Anne Bogle, about her book, I'd Rather Be Reading. Until then, thanks for listening. 
and may you read with wonder and write with passion.